The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day, how are we going? I hope you're having a terrific day. Big thank you to Chris Smith. I heard Matt Boylan during the news talking about Joe Biden. And I kid you not, and I do not even say this as a point of exaggeration, would you let him organize one of your kids' birthday parties? He couldn't be relied upon to do that. And there he is, the leader of the (coughs) free world. Wow. And there are his minders trying to convince people and only imbeciles would still be listening at this point or even uh, even be tuned in to those who are advocating that he is okay. Wow. I mean, really? And for them to put him forward as a candidate against Donald Trump, again, is sheer lunacy. Kamala Harris is there saying she's ready to lead. Wow. And you know what? Even without dementia, even without whatever it is that Joe Biden has, Kamala Harris You wouldn't even want her at your son's birthday party, let alone to organise it. And she'd make a a massive, you know what, fight out of that. It would be absolutely horrific. Speaking about the, you know what, fights, uh, the actor. Ever heard of it? Well, you may not unless you're on, I think it was Binge, B-I-N-G-E, one of the streaming platforms. I was skipping around on there. I don't know why I still pay for it, because now, despite the fact that I pay for it, had a couple of ads pop up. So when I get around to it, binge, if you're watching, you can do it for me. I'll be cancelling that subscription. But I did see the AACTA Actor Awards, the Australian Academy of Cinema and TV Arts Awards. And wow, what a woke. I can't say it. I'm going to get in trouble for swearing. What, what an absolute basket case it was. It was dreadful. Uh, every second person got up there. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the of the land. Well, you know, if I was there, I would have said thank you. Thank you. As one of your fellow Australians, we all own this land. We were born here. We are Indigenous to it if we were born here. All of that. And of course, the ones screaming out. And here's the best part. You had Ron Howard. You had Margot Robbie. You had a, a string of not just Australians who had made it really big. Yeah, Simon Baker, for example, who had made it really big at some point over in America. But uh, they were advocating for awards for them and they gave out international awards. That part of it was actually okay. And here were a couple, a few of them that couldn't help but say, you know, uh, we support Gaza and and whatever. And whilst I, I don't even disagree with that, I mean, I do understand what they're doing. I couldn't help but think it's okay for me to go and say that I feel sorry for the women and children of Gaza and that it was a disproportionate strike and that they've killed a bunch of people who had nothing to do with Hamas. I can say that because I don't intend to have a career in Hollywood, which is run by the people that she just ran down. And so when I say she, they were all female that actually did this. And I remember one going up there as a duo and her partner, her female partner uh, in the business, not her, you know, partner partner, looked very uncomfortable with the fact that she said it. And then they they panned away to the crowd. And I couldn't help but think, you know, some were smiling, some sitting there, not clapping, not happy about the comments. So dividing the room in half. And, you know, why do you need to go and say that and just put your your whole career at risk? I mean, it really doesn't matter. I'm happy to do it because my, my career is based on being honest and truthful about politics. But if you're an actor, if you're a singer, wow, you might want to give that a miss, I would imagine. So if you're thinking about watching the actor awards, you may want to take a Stematil 
tablet before you go and do this. Now, um, this is not brand new news. It happened on the 11th of January, but it's only just starting to circulate on social media and you'll like it. You'll like it a lot because I know most of you, whenever we talk about EVs in the online chat, you absolutely hate them. You absolutely hate them. And uh, you'll like this story because rental firm Hertz, you know, global, global Hertz, has <laughs> they're selling 20,000 electric vehicles, including Teslas, of course, from its US fleet about two years after the deal with the automaker uh, to offer vehicles. And they're going to switch to uh, traditional diesel and petrol powered vehicles. Wow, I wonder what brought that about, common sense. And that's what happens when you have to deal with this stuff in a real everyday environment rather than just be, you know, be a bit woke, be a bit, you know, environmentally friendly. But then the reality sets in and there you have it. They're gone. And you could argue that, you know, I mean, they're going to be trying to sell these things. I mean, it's hard enough to sell a rental car. God, I remember when I was a young kid, what we used to do with rental cars, we used to get rental cars out uh, every couple of weekends. Back, you know, the boys in Marrickville when I was about 18, you know, back in 1987. And just to do the things to those vehicles, we wouldn't dare do it in our own cars before returning them. So, uh, you know, they looked good panel wise, but I wouldn't buy a secondhand rental car. I certainly wouldn't buy an electric vehicle that was secondhand. And if that was also a rental car as well, it's not going to go. You could call it a fire sale and it could well be a fire sale because if you hold on to these things long enough, they may well go up in flames, but you can't really call it a fire. It's more of an explosion, really, isn't it? One that tends to catch on to vehicles next to them or set car parks alight, things like that. So good luck, uh, Hertz, because um, what's the joke? You can change your name to but, B-U-T-T, Hertz now after doing that particular deal. And when you want to talk about failures, failures, let's talk about this coal plant. It's offline in the Latrobe Valley because as the temperatures soar, Thousands have been left without power because they don't have enough of these coal-fired power stations. And that is just from one hot day where everybody turns their air conditioner on. So imagine everyone had an EV and imagine there's hardly any more of these, these terrific coal-fired power stations and you've only got your wind farms and it's hot and it might not be windy or it's nighttime and you don't have any batteries that would keep you going uh, as a town, as a city for more than 20 minutes. Wow, you're in real trouble. And South Australia is one of these places, they tend to get a good good old taste of what's coming before the rest of us. So uh, just living on the, you know, by the, on the edge of their seat there, just coping, but a great taste of what is to come in the world. If you want to go woke, you're going to go broke. And that's exactly what Australia is headed for. But of course, it's all about wealth transfer and those advocating that we do this will be the one on the receiving end of said wealth. You can bet your bottom dollar and we have on that. Now, do you have a suggestion uh, for a possible guest that you'd like to see or hear here at TNT? Or perhaps you've got a topic that you feel we should discuss, then we need to hear from you. Simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT website and help us to make a difference here at today's News Talk TNT. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All righty, it's that time we get to talk to the wonderful Gemma Cooper. And Gemma Cooper, I've, uh, I've just given a, a heads up because we may be talking about Taylor Swift and what she got up to, Super Bowl and all the rest of it. Now, I have purposely 
every time the Super Bowl comes up, I turn my head and I go to a different tab. I don't know who won the game yet, and I've downloaded the game in 4K. I'm watching it tonight. So nobody in the online chat, please tell me who won. Nobody who I'm interviewing today or talking to, please don't tell me who won. Don't sports spoil it for me. Gemma Cooper, how are you? I'm very well. And rest assured, I will not be telling you who won. I could not be less engaged <laughs> with, a, with a particular sport. So you're fine. But it is a bit of a red rag to a bull now. And anyone in our online chat, TNT, um, when you say to somebody, don't do that, you 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 better not look at the chat for a while because I bet people are now it's, saying, it's oh, you, know, you never guess I'm, what. I'm you looking never... at it right now. I'm like, look away, look away. Don't look, look at away. it. Look away. <laughs> yeah, look away, look away. It's funny, though, because... Um, you know, yesterday there were so many images of Taylor Swift because obviously she's dating of one of the football players, isn't she? And there was just images of her everywhere I looked, you know, because obviously I have to keep abreast of the news. And it was just Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, you know, forget the football. She was just everywhere. And uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, the guy she's dating, the, the American footballer, I think he was quite heavily pro-vaccine and he, he promoted it quite a bit. That's what I was That's what I was informed. That's, so that's secondhand information that's come to me. But, you know, again, it's quite orchestrated because these images of her and him and her and kissing and embracing, you're thinking, was there a football game? Was this just, you know, we're just following the antics of a, a dating couple, you know, and I'm always very suspicious when, you know, celebrities are just suddenly, you know, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. You're thinking, why are we paying attention to this exactly so much? You know how it goes, Dean, with Hollywood and the music industry and all of that. There's always a hidden agenda. So my spider sense was uh, suddenly tingling at that one. Well, you know, it's a bit like the whole Bud Light saga. I mean, they really do need to know who their audience is. And I would suggest that most people who are interested in the Super Bowl could not care less about Taylor Swift. Uh, maybe their daughters or their granddaughters would have a terrific interest in her. And her, predominantly her fans would be, I would suggest about 90, you know, I'm just guessing, I'd say 80 or 90% females under the age of 21, possibly under the age of 25, I would imagine, with very few males in there at all. And I was just telling you briefly off air, and I'll repeat the story on air, that uh, when I got into radio, as soon as I got out of radio school, I got into country music radio, Australia's only dedicated country music station to KA, and I loved it. Um, people on my Facebook page would know I put a photo of myself and Toby Keith, who just recently passed away, because we got tickets to see everything and everybody. We were there. We were the only, you know, dedicated country music station in Australia, and we played a lot of American country music. So when Taylor Swift came to town for CMC Rocks the Snowies, she was presenting fellow presenter John Bond with some international uh, radio award, which I think was from uh, the, you know, the big American Country Music Awards. I'm pretty sure it was from them. And uh, as a result, we got to see her concert that night. And as somebody who has been uh, to a lot of karaoke's in their life, and I do mean a lot, um, thousands, um, you would imagine that I'd be used to any level of singing, albeit good and bad. It resembled when Taylor Swift sang, obviously without an auto tune, it sounded like, and I'll quote myself, a bag of cats screaming. <laughs> and it was absolutely dreadful. I don't know whether she cheats and uses some sort of real-time auto tune module, but it was just dreadful. But her, she's a good songwriter and what comes out over the radio and on the CDs does sound good. I would uh, assume there is a lot of digital trickery in there after hearing what I heard or she's uh, improved a lot in 12 years. Well, it's a shame you didn't record it. 
isn't it? It's a shame you didn't have that original piece of, you know, Taylor Swift unplugged. Uh, you'd make a million dollars now with that, wouldn't you? To you know, show the world her, her real level of talent, because you do wonder, don't you? Uh, are they there because they're really talented or are they there because they're placed there uh, and they're doing exactly what they're told by their, uh, you know, alleged handlers? I mean, it's interesting, Britney Spears, you know, similar demographic to Taylor Swift, you know, and she's written her book. I mean, it's her side of the story. But, you know, the, the kind of horrendous life she's had is a manipulated puppet of the entertainment industry. And it'd be interesting, Taylor Swift comes across, doesn't she, as this empowered woman in charge of her life with her posse traveling the world. And certainly yesterday, you would you would never have known there was a football game. Never. It wasn't, it was, there was hardly any mention to it. And even her boyfriend played a very second fiddle to the images that were everywhere of her, 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 and what she was doing and her antics. So she clearly has a great deal of power. Um, but I wonder at what cost that's come to her. But if you had that original piece of footage of their karaoke cat thing, you know, Look, imagine putting that on social now. You know, no, God, it'd go, go viral, wouldn't it? All I've got is a scarred mind and a memory that I'll never lose <laughs> unless I get dementia. And then I can only hope I lose that one first. But uh, no, absolutely dreadful. It was just terrible. But she was on with some other really good people, uh, some big names who I can't remember. So I can't remember the good ones, but I can remember the bad one. I, that's wrong. What have you got for us today, Jim? Well, it's a very interesting story because obviously uh, Julian Assange is awaiting his appeal hearing next week at the Royal Courts of Justice in, in London against his extradition back to the United States because of WikiLeaks and all the uh, allegedly government classified information relating to the Afghan and Iraq war. Um, uh, what's what's very, really interesting, because we talk about this kind of thing a lot. We talk about, you know, the Just Stop oil protesters um, throwing uh, corrosive substances or soup on the Mona Lisa or, you know, chaining themselves to portraits in the National Portrait Gallery in London and, and, and you know, interfering with works of art. Uh, but there's an artist. And I'm not sure if this is broken in Australia yet, but it's early morning here in the UK and this story is broken in the UK. There's a Russian artist living in the south of France who says, he has 16 masterpieces worth 42 million pounds, 45 million dollars in a safe uh, with locked in a safe with a timer with a corrosive substance. Uh, and he says that, that if Julian Assange loses his appeal hearing against his extradition, um, he's going to flip a time. Well, somebody close to Assange will work with this artist, flick a timer switch, a 24 hour timer switch and, and an, an acid a corrosive substance in the in the safe with these works of art will be released and all of these works of art will be destroyed. His works of art include Picasso's, a Rembrandt's, Andy Warhol, Jasper Johns, and some more modern pieces, many of which have just been donated freely by collectors and the artists themselves. And he says he's doing it in the name of uh, free speech. The artist is called Andrei Molodkin. He's Russian, living in France, and he says he's doing it because since Assange has been in prison for the last five years in Belmarsh, he says he says freedom of speech, information and expression have been censored like never before. And he says if Assange loses his hearing, he's going to destroy these works of art because destroying a piece of art, he says, seems to be more taboo in our society now than destroying a person's life and his life, you know, will be destroyed. His lawyer has already said on record that if he's, he loses this hearing, he's likely to commit suicide. Uh, the artist's work has been backed by uh, Julian's wife, Stella Assange. She says she's right behind him. It's a controversial thing to do. Um, but as I say, these works have been donated freely by collectors. One of the artist's own works is in there, uh, a work that's very personal to him. And another artist, a modern artist, has said, no, I, I was initially unsure, but he said, I've, I've donated a very, very special piece of art uh, and, I, and I, I'm happy for it to go into the 
acid substance if Assange loses because what's happening in terms of freedom of expression is more important than, than a piece of work. I can always create a new piece of work. So it's a, it's an interesting story because we often take the disparaging view uh, with, say, for example, Just Stop Oil, when they, they, they kind of try and desecrate or attach themselves to pieces of art to raise awareness for their cause. But this is an artist that's doing it very consciously. Other artists have donated their work. Um, and it remains to be seen, of course, what happens because the hearing is, is a week today, a week today and tomorrow, next week in London. And I know TNT are going to be reporting live from there. Um, it, it remains to see what will happen. The work of art is called Dead Man's Switch, 16 masterpieces, allegedly, allegedly. This could all be just a PR thing. We don't know. Uh, already they're locked in the safe, so we just don't know. He says everything's been filmed and documented, so he says he can prove it. Or it could just be a big PR stunt to raise awareness for the Assange campaign who knows but that's where we are this morning with this it's a mixture of art self-expression uh, and freedom i like that and it will work it will raise awareness of this and that's terrific um i don't think he has to hit the button because doing that isn't going to change the minds of the americans who are running that particular puppet show anyway but if he is if it is fake and i hope it works um if he does destroy the artwork he does um, I guess we'll, we can look at photos of it. I don't know. But at the end of the day, if it helps Julian Assange, I'm, I'm on board with that. And let's see something good come of that one way or another. Gemma Cooper, thank you very much. We appreciate you. You'll be back, of course, with Sonia Poulton next hour. And again, here with us tomorrow afternoon on TNT. Jim, I'll catch you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Dean. Back after this with Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. TNT's Pella Neuroth-Taylor. We, we need to look, do a lot of deconstruction of these phrases and, and really think about what it means because what does far right mean? I, I'd say that far right means anything that you don't like and um, it's just a label, a bit like the, the Chinese under Mao, their state press used to call uh, anyone who was an ideological opponent, capitalist pig dogs, whatever. And it was just meant to evoke a response and it was a signal from the rulers to the rule that this is what you should think without actually having to think. It's, it's, it's a, meant to evoke a sort of Pavlovian reaction that you're a, you, these are bad guys. And uh, a moderate, in, in, in our lingo, I mean, let's see, it's foreign coverage. The BBC will say the moderate blah, blah, blah party in the third world, meaning, well, they're guys we approve of and then the extremist is someone we don't approve of. Helen Neuroth-Taylor on today's News Talk TNT. When a crisis hits close to home, and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, honoring, protecting, caring inspiring the work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes across all missions has never been more important and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible thank you together we change the world the nonprofit alliance If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, I wanted to talk tech on this show. I wanted to do it on a regular basis, and there was only one name that ever 
occurred to me. His name is Stephen Fennick, of course, from techguide.com.au. And if you're looking at uh, into any kind of new technology, before you go and buy it, always go and check that out. I wish I'd done so because I bought some pretty good headphones, but Stephen told me of a cheaper alternative that is as good or better last week, and I didn't follow my own advice. So that's what happens when you don't get on the techguide.com.au. But today, techguide.com.au has come to us. Stephen Fennick, how are you going? Good afternoon. How are you doing? Mate, terrific. Uh, lots going on. We were just talking quickly off air that, you know, you're off to uh, Las Vegas to watch the two NRL games. Wow, I'm jealous. Yep. Well, you know, mate, I'm a former Rabbitoh. Uh, I don't know whether you know, I, I used to play. Everyone knows my brother Mario used to play. But if you're a real South fan, you'll remember that I actually played as well uh, back in the day. So I've been pretty close with South ever since. I'm actually part of the past players committee as well. So I, I do keep in touch with the guys and, and still have a bit to do with the club. I love that, mate. I used to play for um, Marig Villarasil. I was playing with Charlie Saab. And it was yeah, me, I played at and- South. South. He was at South when I was there, Charlie yeah, mate, Saab. Good, mate, great play. Mate. We're all playing playing <laughs> down at Marrickville and hoping to, you know, get down, get into the SG ball. He made it, mate. He was a good bloke, a, a terrific yeah. uh, copper too. And um, I won't get into that, but, mate, doing a terrific job and all the good cops are gone and all the rubbish ones are there. <laughs> That's a whole conversation. For, but oh, what yeah. a top fella. Yeah, great fella. No, I played a few years with Charlie. That no, was good, good bloke. Yeah, mate. Okay, let, let's get on to some, some tech. Uh, mate, I would love to start off with, uh, because I got to wear one for five minutes before my son took the Christmas present back off me, the VR headset, of course, I'm talking about the Meta yep. Quest 3. Yeah, well, this I, I have reviewed this, and this is timely, this review, because everyone's known, everyone knows about the Apple Vision Pro. Um, the MetaQuest 3, I think I remember Mark Zuckerberg uh, when this was announced. It was announced shortly after the announcement of the Vision Pro. Now, the Vision Pro is going to be like six grand when it comes to Australia. He did mention that this is a better value MetaQuest 3, and it is. It's cheaper. But to be fair, the comparison of the Vision Pro, which I've used, by the way, and the MetaQuest 3, I said this in my review, it's like comparing a Toyota Camry with a Lamborghini. They're just not (laughs) in the same class. They're different. MetaQuest 3, though, Excellent experience, really good VR headset, starts at about 800 bucks. Uh, really gr- uh, massive improvement over the MetaQuest 2. And so if you want to enter sort of the world of VR, the MetaQuest 3 is a great way to do it. Uh, I, I do have, though, my reservations about the controllers, the, the hand controllers are a bit cumbersome and maybe a barrier to entry for a lot of people. They're, they're a little bit confusing. There's like seven buttons on each of the controllers, and it's really, you need to be pretty savvy to use it. So I remember putting them on my wife on my wife's head, and she was fascinated with this Nature Trek VR thing she was experiencing. I put the controllers in her hands. She gave them straight back to me. She says, no, that's too hard. Now, the reason I mention that is because the Vision Pro has no controllers. The Vision Pro uses cameras to detect your hands. So it is that really intuitive. The Vision Pro also has eye tracking. So whatever you look at is what you select when it's time to select anything. And then your hands, you just make these little gestures, and that's how intuitive it is. So the MetaQuest 3, it's got a bit of work to do, I reckon, with the controllers. I'd prefer to have no controllers at all, but... That might be a bit tough at this uh, in this generation, but overall, impressed with the experience. And there's a lot of content around as well. That's another big advantage. There's a lot of developers that have supported the MetaQuest 3. Massive improvements, a great audio video performance. Uh, battery life, I think, is a bit... bit uh, the, the battery just in the headset lasts barely two hours. And so what, what you, you should do is buy the extra battery that goes in the back strap so it balances it out a little bit 
that'll take your battery life to about just under four hours, but that adds a bit of expense, of course. But um, yeah, overall, I think, yeah, excellent experience. My full review is up on Tech Guide if you want to read about it. But um, I think it's, uh, you know, there's a healthy future in VR and it's all thanks to Apple coming into the market, which has validated VR for a lot of people. The fact that Apple's in it uh, has has brought brought a lot of attention to the space and companies like MetaQuest, like Meta, HTC, PlayStation, they're all going to benefit from from Apple coming into this category, which is they, they've really got a lot of attention on, on it now. Yeah, and just to put things in perspective, I remember watching not long after it came out that that launch, you know, of the Apple headset. And yep. when they said the price, even though it was in American dollars, yep. there was this just overwhelming, oh, you know, this, yeah. this people just, you know, were disappointed, I think, at how expensive it was. But also, as somebody such as yourself that's seen all the technology evolve over the years, mm -hmm. and I remember you saying that if you could have paid full price for it on the day you tested it, you would have taken it home with you. So I think that, that does Absolutely. put it into perspective, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you've got to remember, mate, you, you, I think we had this, this discussion last time, that you're a gamer, so you know that to have a good experience with, with gaming, you need to spec up either a good laptop or a good desktop, a tower. And and people wouldn't blink spending $6,000 on, on a computer that will enable them to have that great experience, great, great performance. Uh, so the Vision Pro is a similar, similar proposition where it is a standalone computer. It's capable of doing so much, even in this first generation version of the product, and there's developers that are really uh, coming up with some pretty solid apps for it as well. Still, only it's still only early days, but I think you'll find that over the over time, this will get cheaper. It'll get a bit more accessible, uh, and I think a lot more people will enjoy it. But like all new technology, it's always new. When it's new, it's always expensive. Yeah, and it's one thing, you know, for those who aren't into this to have a bit of a laugh at somebody wearing one and and we don't oh, stumble yeah. your way around the room <laughs> anymore. You can see where the room is at the yeah, same no, time. There is the, the pass-through. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, there is pass-through with the MetaQuest 3 as there is with the Vision Pro. So you can, what happens, you set a boundary. So it looks at your room and says, right, oh, here's your boundary. You don't want to walk into your television or your furniture. And once you're within the boundary, those external cameras switch off. So all you are is engaged in the content, which is amazing. It, it really immerses you. But the second you get close to that boundary, those cameras turn on. So you can see, oh, hang on there, my TV's just there. I don't want to bump into it or I'm, I'm about to hit my, my door over here. So that, that's a really good feature that sort of it protects you and keeps you there. You can even choose to be seated as well. So rather than walking around the room, you could choose to be stationary but still be able to enjoy all the content up and around you and above you as well. And, and just to put things in perspective, I mean, we were talking about, um, again, you going over to Las Vegas. I said my brother is going over to watch the same game as you. He's gone over early so he could watch the uh, – the uh, Super Bowl, and he yeah. was prepared to spend up to ten grand. Now, can, you can imagine with the the quality of these Apple headsets, you could sit in your own room. It'd be like look around. You've got a crowd around you. You're in a stadium yeah. and watch the game yeah. to the point well, where you would forget you weren't there, and but but have the ability to zoom in and do all these things. Oh yeah, well, I mean that's what's coming. That yeah? was part of the experience that I had with the Vision Pro. I had thirty minutes with it, and one of the, like, part of that experience was. At one point, I was sitting in the dugout at a baseball game. I was looking. I was at a baseball game. Next yeah. second, I'm courtside at a basketball game, watching the basketball. And I said to them, "I said if I could watch sport like that with this, take my money right now." 
because (laughs) what's going to happen, I'll tell you what's going to happen. In the years to come, you'll see that the NFL, NBA, and possibly even the NRL and everything down the track are going to set up cameras and angles so that if you're a VR viewer at home, you'll choose where you want to sit. I want to sit up in the stadium today. It's up here. I want to sit courtside today. I want to do this. So that'll be part of a membership. So it really, the, the prospect is real where if these products, and they will, if they when they take off and the coverage like that is, is, is available, there'll be less people going to the game because they can, it's like they're there sitting in their lounge room. So it's, it's a kind of a, 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 a split, split result there for the game. They're going to make a lot of money through the broadcast rights, but will it prevent people from actually taking the trouble to go to the game? Now, me personally, I go to every Souths game because I want to be there. I want to enjoy the atmosphere. I want to, I want to soak it up. But you can imagine VR has the prospect of giving you that exact experience in your lounge room. That's what, oh. we've, that's what we're looking at in the near future. It really is incredible. And, of course, now we've got these 360-degree cameras, which are just incredible in themselves. Yeah. Imagine the police in the future, they've got a 360-degree body cam. People will be able to sit in, in a court and watch a crime from the police officer's perspective, pursuing yeah. a criminal or a, a police chase with a, a 360 degree and look around while it's happening and see the whole thing as if you were there. It's just amazing what, what's yeah. coming. And and the reason that, that I really talk it up is because a lot of people, um, you know, think this is all rubbish. This is something that's not for me. And I, as we suggested the other week, it'll be like saying, well, I'm not getting a TV when it comes out back in yeah. the day of radio. Um, I think it's something that's coming your way. Yeah. I think you're going to miss out if you don't get on uh, at 6000 <laughs> there will be a few people well, missing out on a, this particular It's a high one. entry price, but as I said, over time, mate, I think that the, as more competition comes into the market, as as the technology sort of filters down to the entry-level products, we're going to see that it's going to become, I think, a potential for a brand-new broadcast opportunity. And the fact that Apple's involved, don't forget they've got the Apple TV streaming service. There, You can already watch that using Vision Pro. There's all these other apps that are being developed, so you can be. It feels like you where you're transported to these locations. You know, whether it be a sporting event, you might you might be a real a real pol- political geek and want to sit in in Parliament for question time. Oh, you no. might want to, you know, you might want to <laughs> you might want to sit at a, at a fashion show, you know, like you're in Paris at the, the at the fashion show or New York Fashion Week. So I think the 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 prospects are pretty amazing and the, the possibilities you're going to see. There's going to be a lot of people who want to take advantage of this technology. You just gave me a whole new use for it. You could have somebody who has committed a crime have to sit there and relive question time day after day. In <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Or, or, hey, you might be a court geek. You might be able to sit in a courtroom and listen listen to the cases and pretend you're a member of the jury. I'm sure there's someone going to think of this down the track. I absolutely agree, mate. The list of it endless. We're with Stephen <laughs> Finney from techguide.com.au. This is TNT. We'll be back after these short news headlines. TNT Radio News. I've got news for you, baby. I've got news for you, baby. News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Australia has sounded the alarm over Israel's planned ground offensive in the southern Gaza city of Rafah. The White House is once again being called out for its hypocrisy after President Joe Biden joined TikTok, despite previously banning the Chinese-owned app on government devices, declaring it a national security risk. 
And over a dozen people have been injured in a massive explosion that ripped through an amusement park in Sweden. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. And welcome back to the program. I am with Stephen Fennick of techguide.com.au. And if you're ever, and I do mean this, if you're ever considering buying anything new, don't just go out and don't just let the people in the store advocate for what they believe be the best or quite often they're not qualified quite often they'll go for what they have make the biggest margin or not what's the best not what's the quickest he does all the homework so you don't have to techguide.com.au Stephen Fennick mate let's talk about phones those little plastic sim cards that we've been yeah. so used to they got smaller and smaller and now they're about to disappear yeah, they're, they're about to go yeah you're right and I think uh, there's been a rise in in e-sims and you know what we can thank Optus for it during uh, the day of the Optus outage there were a lot of people who just wanted out and they, uh, and in fact, Vodafone on that day, on November the 8th, Vodafone was sending out press releases saying, you know what, it's really easy to switch to Vodafone. All you need to do is the, the follow the steps and you can activate the SIM, the eSIM on your device. So that means you didn't have to go into a store, you didn't have to wait for a bit of plastic to turn up in the mail, you didn't have to go to a store to pick up the SIM card. You could e instantly switch networks. And Vodafone now says that one in four of their new and re-signing customers are going down the eSIM path. And I know a lot of you, your listeners and viewers probably don't realise that their phone has an eSIM in it. If you've got an iPhone that's less than five years old or a Samsung that's about five years old, you've got an eSIM right there ready to use. And, and it's not just Optus, Telstra, Vodafone that are using it. Even the mobile virtual network operators, I'm talking Amazim, Kogan Mobile, Labara, Felix Mobile, they offer eSIM connectivity as well. So you can really use that really quickly to, to, to choose a plan, activate the eSIM and go from there. And it, it's also handy too if you may have two numbers. A lot of people don't realise you can have a physical SIM but also activate the eSIM. So you might have a work number, private number, you might be travelling. You might want to use your uh, the eSIM to get a plan when you're overseas, activate that as your travel SIM, and, and there's just a couple of use cases for it right there. Uh, in the US, the iPhone, iPhone 14, iPhone 15, uh, don't even have SIM card trays. The only option in the US with an iPhone is a, is an eSIM. So that, that's the direction we're heading. I reckon in, within four to five years, you won't see an eSIM in iPhones and in Samsung phones, and thereby other phones will follow suit as well. I like that. And of course, the eco warriors out there, and you won't have too many of them here at TNT. Um, but mate, they'll be happy because that's less plastic getting yeah. thrown in the less so plastic, them and less their shipping, plastic straws. They'll be yeah. happy. They'll be happy. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, I think it's about, it's about speed, it's about convenience. And, and give, I reckon it empowers customers too, knowing that I can change networks in a minute. If I don't like this network, I could go. So hopefully the telcos know this, lift their game to keep their customers and and we get a better service out of it. So uh, it, this, this it, since the day they announced port number porting, you know, where you take your number to another network, the, the telcos are aware that it, it, month to month you could change plans based on on specials, based on a better deal. So I think that having that power uh, with the, with the the availability of an eSIM in your pocket, that uh, I think uh, gives it gives the power back to the customer to choose a telco that's going to suit their needs and their budget. 
I, I love that. You know, uh, the old technology, you know, the old saying, don't just do something because you can, like with a curved screen, unless it's that natural curvature of the old, like that 50, 70 inch that's still sitting in the yeah, box. Yeah, you're gaming that I on bought. it, mate. Yeah, unpack that one. Yeah, I, I, it's <laughs> like one day I've got to get it upstairs. But <laughs> but that is a good application of doing something. But I've got another yeah. monitor right in front of me that the curvature, it's a bit of an advantage, not so much. But with these yeah. um, eSIMs, it's going to be yeah. terrific. A, it's going to make the phone a little bit more waterproof if you want to go down that route yeah. as well. Yep, but um, I, I love. I didn't even know that my S twenty four had had that ability until you just absolutely, told me, so yeah, yeah. And uh, I think oh, there's a list on Tech Guide of all the phones. Like some Motorola phones, some Oppo phones as well have eSIMs built in as well. But yeah, if you've bought an iPhone XR or later, you you got an eSIM. If you got the i the S twenty and later eSIM as well. So uh, for the last five years, eSIMs, and and as I said, people probably weren't even aware that there's an eSIM available. And you can have an eSIM and a, a plastic SIM card, two different networks if you want as well. So, And you can tell which phone, which calls coming in based on the SIM. So if SIM 1 is your work number and the eSIM, let's call it SIM 2, is your private number, it'll tell you where the call's coming from. So it'll announce that so you're not confused. A lot of people aren't, probably haven't used dual SIM devices before, but that's how they work. You'll be able to easily tell where the call's coming from, from which SIM card. Stephen Finnick, you are in many ways like the good old-fashioned Tonka toy. You're not just fun, you're educational <laughs> too. Of course, you, you can check him out online, everyone, techguide.com.au. Check out his podcast. He's also doing a thing, him and one of his mates, talking about EVs. So if you love EVs, if you hate EVs, check it out. You're going to love what Stephen Finnick does on EVs. Mate, thanks for your time, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks a lot, Dean. Take care, mate. Check him out, techguide.com.au. Back with Daniel Shepard after this. And for those of you thinking that name rings a bell, he is the fellow that just had the landmark win. It is, yes, subject to appeal, but uh, he had the landmark win as far as his uh, pericarditis went uh, against his employer. We've got him coming up here right after this. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Oh no, could the squad soon be a thing of the past? Well, based on the hot water that Democrat representatives Cori Bush from Missouri and Ilhan Omar, her brother's wife from Minnesota are in, all signs point to yes, outcome likely. What am I talking about? Well, according to Representative Byron Donalds of Florida, Cori Bush has diverted campaign funds into some questionable security expenses. And Omar was filmed in Somalia saying she's Somalian first and Muslim second. Didn't seem to be a mention of the United States or her oath of office to the Constitution in there. The sooner we're well shot of these people, the better. They're clearly here based on intersectionality, not intellect and nothing will become them so much as they're leaving. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. 
Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you! Thank you! <laughs> to learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Dean Mackin. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And of course, just a quick reminder before I talk to Daniel Shepard, that last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20 and 21 at the UK High Court. And they're going to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. Now, TNT is going to be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days if it goes that long. TNT is going to broadcast from various locations throughout London. Uh, London, we're lighting that fuse for freedom right here at TNT. And certainly uh, I feel a lot freer when we get good outcomes in the courts and in various tribunals. My next guest, his name is Daniel Shepard. He lodged the workers' compensation claim after developing pericarditis uh, related to the Pfizer booster that he was required to get under the workplace directive. And that happened back in February of 2022. In January of 2024, the South Australian Employment Tribunal ruled that he is to receive income support and payment of medical expenses for his injury. I think that's terrific. Let's talk to Daniel Shepard. G'day, Daniel. How are you going? Hi, Dean. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on board. Mate, firstly, not just congratulations, but um, I, I just hope that, you know, you're successful in your appeal. There's very good evidence to suggest that you will be based on, on others, a teacher uh, case that I'm, I'm aware of. Um, mate, and it's just dreadful what's happened to so many people because, of course, you know, you're not the only one that this has happened to. You're just the first, and I'm hoping the first in a long line, to get some justice. It seems so. Um, speaking to a lot of people through yeah, this journey, um, it really did seem like every other person knew someone that had had some adverse reactions, um, not always as bad as mine. I did meet someone that was, yeah, pretty bad personally at my son's uh, daycare centre. But, um, yeah, it's definitely been an interesting journey, just, yeah, negotiating all the legal stuff, um, all the political stuff around it. Um you know, the the camps, you know, people asking me whether I'm, you know, pro-vaccine or one of those crazy anti-vaxxers. It's um, so, yeah, to, to try and not get caught up in all that, yeah, just um, just basically fight to survive. I've, I've got a, you know, I've got a son to look after. Um, we need food. We need some security. So, um, yeah, but I thought, look, I'll... I'll take the work cover avenue because it seemed to me like common sense. Um, obviously, they didn't think so, but um, so yeah, that that was um, yeah, that was definitely interesting. I've learnt a lot on the way, anyway. Certainly about compensation law. Right now, yours was so bad. In fact, I, I believe that you said you know you've now got the heart. What feels like the heart of a ninety year old and uh mate, you're you're a dad you're in your, your early 40s i believe about 44 did i get that correct correct the, yeah. the age uh you've got a, a young son and mate i remember i was pretty much like you i had my son when i was about 40 so mate and because i was 45 when he was five i couldn't do the things that a 25 year old dad could have done and there's nothing wrong with my heart so for you to go and have that i mean how much has that taken away? That must hurt you a hell of a lot, the things that, you know, you now can't do um, with your son be because of what's happened to you. 
Well, certainly. I mean, I was, I was a pretty active youth worker. I mean, I kind of had the dream job where, you know, I was paid to kick footy, sometimes go surfing with the kids and stuff like that. Um, so it wasn't, you know, triathlete fit, but um, yeah, it was good. And it's it's definitely robbed him. It can be quite heartbreaking. Um, I mean, his school's only 400 metres away. And um, even tonight was a good example of just walking down to get him and come back and i got to sleep it off. It's a 400 meter walk each way. And yet I just slept for, you know, 40 minutes with him next to me. So it's, it's really frustrating. Um, yeah, that, that 90 year old heart comment was from my GP. Um, she's been fantastic. Um, yeah, I feel like she put a lot on the line to, um, yeah, go into bat for me with a lot of the paperwork and stuff. Um, because obviously there was a lot of, there's a lot of political stuff and, um, yeah, stuff to do from APRA, from what I could understand. Um, yeah, a lot of GPs were being watched very closely with um, just, yeah, it, it was a bit of a mess. But look, we got there in the end. And um, just coming back to your original question, yeah, it, it is hard. It's it's going to be harder. He's only, he'll be sick soon, but moving forward, um, yeah, because there's, there's good days where it's a bit better. There's other times where I'm like exhausted chest pain kicks in i've got to sit down um yeah i used to work in disability once upon a time now it's like i'm on, i'm pretty much on the other side of the fence some days so yeah didn't think i'd be there but yeah it happens in some ways um you've been been lucky as far as fighting this in that uh, a few of the stars have aligned a your employer you know was very quick to come and say well hey he was really fit and healthy before this no denial there the doctors were very quick to draw a line between the oh, i don't like calling it a vaccine the mrna shot and what happened to you the other thing that i love that you did and i was going to bring it up with my last guest stephen fennick from techguide.com.au is those smart watches and healthcare monitors because you were active you actually had data to prove that you were healthy prior to the jab if i'm not mistaken Correct. Um, look, I might have been wrong, but I feel like one of the arguments was, well, how, how do we know he was fit before? You know, how can you prove that? So um, I gave him about eight, nine months of data that had GPS coordinate, coordinate, um, coordinates and um, the times. It was fantastic. So there's a pretty brutal hill here called Mount Lofty. It's probably the biggest, closest hill in Adelaide. And um, yeah, 4Ks of hell going up um but it's quite pretty and uh yeah i was going up there one or three times a week before and it's yeah forget that now so um yeah that was um pretty satisfying that yeah just my own competitiveness and <laughs> seeing if i could beat my times i realized i had all this data it was fantastic so um yeah i, I didn't want to yeah I, I was i was always going to go down fighting for this because well, I I love that, you know, you're so strong, you're so positive and you're so brave to have done what, what you're doing. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I, there was a, a teacher who um, who went the Department uh, of Education and that was for the psychological damage that was done to her as to, and I, and I was um, um, aware of that because my wife was working as a teacher at the time and I said to her, look, just don't go to work, take leave, you a lot of leave, take that and then tell them you'll get vaccinated when you come back. A lot of people were not in that position. They didn't have a lot of leave. They, they mm. couldn't do it. You know, they were forced to go and do this thing. But mate, um, here's this teacher 
who, um, you know, went for this psychological injury. It was granted. They appealed. The appeal was denied. And mate, I would suggest that, I mean, you, they're very lucky that you haven't gone them for psychological damage as well, because, mate, all this, this pressure that's been put on you, many people would have succumbed to it by now. Well, the terms blackmail and coercion <laughs> might have been used, but that particular case, we actually used that, uh, my team, so to look at that. And, yeah, look, I, I believe look, we, we shouldn't, there's got to be more autonomy. Um, I obviously don't agree with the way that um, the government implemented what they did um, in the way. Um, look, some people might not agree with me, but in hindsight, perhaps um, society could have done something like what the French farmers are doing now <laughs> to sort of stand up for it and say, no, this this is not acceptable. I know they sort of tried that in Melbourne, but, um, yeah, my, my life's forever changed. My son's life's changed. A lot of people's lives, nearly everybody was definitely, yeah, affected by this in one way or another, whether it be, you know, psychological, financial, um, all the businesses that went down. So I, I think it was a complete disaster in my view of how it was handled. Um, so, look, hopefully everyone learns from it. Hey, you'll be very happy to know, by the way, that the French farmers that all became out of what happened in Germany and it spread throughout the EU, they're now doing it in England as well. It's it's, it's in England now, so it's terrific, mate. We're starting to wake up after how we've, we've been treated for the last four years. We're mad as hell. We're certainly not going to take it anymore. Mate, when, when do you find out if their appeal against this uh, uh, is uh, successful or not? Look, it was 28 days from the judgment, so I, I dare say we're sort of looking at about another two and a half weeks, thereabouts. Um, look, hopefully they don't because they can't appeal it if just because they don't like the decision. They've actually got to find fault with the ruling, fault with the law. Um, the judge, I, I think he did a great job. Um, yeah, he was yeah, fantastic to be in the courtroom with um yeah i felt heard so um you know i believe he's locked that up pretty well that the emergency management act can't override the work cover stuff which was what they were going for i mean it does seem pretty crazy to make us all go get um this mrna treatment for public health yet when it goes bad oh sorry there's nothing we can do but you know, it, it just seems completely ironic, and that was the words of the judge. So we've just got to wait and see what happens. And look, if it, um, yeah, if they do appeal it, um, I guess we'll see you in the high court, and then we, yeah, <laughs> follow, follow this space. So Mate, and and we have to tell people because I mean I I think you're going to be successful, and I pray that you will be. But I mean, if that was to be unsuccessful, and I'm just quoting here. The only remaining recourse is to re rely on the government compensation scheme, but the parameters were too too narrow. In the first 18 months of Services Australia, uh, their compensation scheme, only 164 out of 3,160 claims, that's less than 5%, had actually been approved. So the government's not helping. I mean, there was ScoMo saying, oh, we're not making you do this, basically passing the buck onto the employ the employers. And there's that same ScoMo now, by the way, who, uh, you know, got this 300 and something billion dollars in through AUKUS. And now he's got a, a job 
in the defense industry, making millions and millions. You're supposed to wait 18 months. He waited 20. Very nice of him. But, mate, these politicians, the media, uh, as I suggested to you, I was proud to be sacked from the media for talking and, and, and speaking up, mate. And that's what I love. Mate, you're out here. You, you're telling other people about the fight that you're having, mate. And, mate, I just think it's terrific. And I'm praying that the outcome is good for you and that that outcome will be the same for other people who have suffered just as uh, you have. Look, I hope this inspires people to look, seek justice, um, look, seek some compensation if it um, applies to you. Um, it's just funny what you're saying about the compensation scheme. I still haven't seen any money applied nearly two years ago. Um, in their defence, the staff's defence, every staff member I've dealt with the compensation scheme has been fan lovely, fantastic, can't fault their attitudes. But yeah, I haven't seen Dolly so <laughs> two years later. So yeah, uh, we won't we won't go any further on that. But um, no, yeah, and it, that was raised. That was raised in the courtroom. He asked me because the defense the defense said, "You know, well, he's going to get this money from you know from the other scheme." And the judge looked and goes, "Have you seen anything?" I went, "No." How long's it been? Nearly two years. He goes, and the look on his face was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Right, now, now I've, I've got their data. It's certainly a, a far cry from the data that, that I would uh, produce, but their data would suggest that what has happened to you is very rare. Um, I would suggest it's not nearly as rare as they would have us believe that you're in the, you know, one of the highest uh, factor, you know, 30 to 39 being the, the highest, and of course, uh, you know, 40 to 49 being a very high risk factor. But, mm. you know, th they suggest that only, you know, 1.7 1, 1. or 1.4, depending on what, what you had, um, cases per 100,000 people. Well, it's got to be more than a coincidence that, I mean, I can point to, to my next door neighbour, literally, uh, a guy who looks exactly like uh, uh, Novak Djokovic, by the way, um, yeah. mate, a very fit and healthy 30-year-old, and he developed myocarditis immediately after it. I have a uh, a very good friend of my wife, in fact, her best friend, who um, they do this contra thing, you know, she she's a yeah, her tutor and she comes cleans her house once a week. And she stopped coming for a while. We found out that within minutes, minutes of her having her mRNA injection, her lips began to quiver and quiver and go numb. And subsequently, two years later, she can't feel anything from her nose to her knees. So, I mean, they're just two people that immediately come to mind who are in my life every every week and some of them every day. And here they are telling us that, you know, 2.4 or 5 per 100,000. I mean, I'm not believing those numbers. And I, I don't need, because you're going through a legal process, for you to mm -hmm. comment on that. I'm just saying that's how I feel that we've been duped. And I would ask you this, as somebody who, who suffered as a result of this, now, that woman I told you about, the one that's gone numb from her nose to her knees, her husband, who's a handyman, who's probably about your age, um, I brought had a conversation with him about health issues and the guy next door, and he admitted to me, and he hadn't admitted it to anybody else but his wife, that he's been getting pains in the left arm, he's been getting chest pains, pains down his back for a long time, and because he's a bloke, and us bloody blokes are terrible, Oh, she'll be right, mate. She'll be right. And he just goes on. What would you say to people that are getting pains in their chest and their arms? Should they just say she'll be right or should they get along to a doctor and get it looked into? Well, the trouble is, is finding a doctor that is going to have a look at it. I mean, just some of the people I've spoken to just online. Um, what's difficult is it just doesn't seem to be any tests for what's going on or if, we, if there is. Um, we don't, yeah, we don't have access to it. Um, I'm lucky that, yeah, the cardiologists um, I've been working with 
uh, he's great, but they still really can't see too much. But it's obviously there. I mean, oh, plenty of times in the last two years, I've just dropped and thought, okay, yep, this is it. So, like, when, you know, well, at least I'm not a professional soccer player. I mean, I'm <laughs> <laughs> but, but, mate, mate, mate you, what you are is more important, mate. You're a dad, yeah. you've got a young son. Mate, yeah. Your health mate, means everything. You're there to look after him, mate. You're a terrific fella, Daniel Shepard. Mate, I wish you every success, and we'd love to have a chat with you and find out what happens down the track. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me on. All the best, and I love Thank the work you. you're doing. Thanks, <laughs> mate. So, Sonia Fulton coming up next. I'll be back tomorrow here at TNT.